we're looking at, uh, again, we have a missions conference coming up, and, 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 and the, when you think about missions, the emphasis obviously is on the gospel, just going around the world. And when we look at the scripture and see what the scripture says, we see that the, the scriptures are clear that there are people all around the world who need to hear the gospel. There are people all around the world who, who God is preparing to hear the gospel. And so when we think about that, that is, that is why, listen, the church matters. Why? Because the harvest truly is Great. I'm not going to try to waste any time this morning, so let's go, just go ahead and get into it. When we look at what does the harvest require, well, number one, the harvest requires surrendered servants. The harvest surrend- requires surrendered servants. The church, we need to be active in our Christian life. We need to be active in our Christian life. Verse number one says, And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Listen, if you look at the order of the passage, God did not tell them, look, look at the harvest, see the harvest, see it's it's ready to be harvested. Then anoint them. No, he anointed them. And then told them to look at the harvest. Christian, if if we're not ready, if we're not active, if we're not actively serving, we're not going to see the harvest. We're not going to be ready for the harvest. We're not going to be ready to, to win that soul when that time comes. You know, I was talking, someone, I heard this morning just someone who, who said that they were out soul winning under the guise of fishing. And I won't say who that person is, but you might think about maybe who it was. It wasn't Nate. Um, <laughs> but he, he said, he, said he, was, he was soul winning under the guise of fishing. In other words, listen, what he was saying is he was fishing, but he was ready to soul win when just someone walked by. He was just ready to soul. He was ready to soul win. But if you go and you're doing something and you're not just ready and you're not actively serving, you're not actively trying to reach people, you're going to miss those times. You're not going to see it. Why? Because let's be honest, if we're not looking to, to win souls, if we're not looking to do the work of the Lord, then we're not a surrendered servant. I got an opportunity again when I was in college in 2009. It's a long time ago now. Uh, I got to travel with Neighborhood Bible Time, and as a teen evangelist, traveled all over the country. Got to see many people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But one of the sayings that they would have is they would ask you what time it was, and if you said anything other than 1045, you had to do 20 push-ups. Because it didn't matter if it was 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 10 p.m., 6 p.m., 645 7.45, It was always 10.45. And the reason was, is the focus was on the fact that as the evangelist and as servants of God, we should always be ready to serve. It comes from Mark 10.45, which says, Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister 
and to give his life a ransom for many. Listen, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the, the one that we follow, he himself was a surrendered servant. He came to minister. He came to serve. He didn't came, come to be served. Church, we need to be surrendered servants. Jesus, again, himself, John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Yesterday, I kind of had put off doing the lawn work as long as I possibly could. And uh, yesterday, I didn't have a choice. And yesterday, I had, there are things I had to finish for today, for Sunday school. And, and, I, and so I, I had a lot, a very busy day yesterday. Now, the one thing is, is in my heart, I really wanted to spend the heat of the day and the time when the sunlight was out inside working on things for Sunday school and, and other things for the missions conference. But at the same time, I couldn't. Because I had a lot to do in the yard. And I knew that as I work in the yard, there's only a certain amount of time that you have in the yard. Because sooner or later, what happens? The sun goes down. And you can ask my wife. There's been many times where I've been out there. I've been, been working and getting stuff done. And then trying to, the sun's going down. It's getting darker and darker. And sooner or later, it doesn't matter if I'm done or not. I'm done. Because I can't see. And I can't do anything else. And listen, there's going to come a time as Christians where whether or not you've gotten the work done, whether or not you've, listen, be honest, whether or not you've even started, the opportunity to work is going to be gone. And I don't personally, I personally don't want to squander any moment. I, 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 don't, I don't want to sacrifice the eternal for the temporal. The song goes like this, as work for the night is coming, work through the morning hours, work while the dew is sparkling, work mid the springing flowers, work when the day goes brighter, work in the glowing sun, work for the night is coming when man's work is done. Listen, sometimes there's sometimes when we work, it's not fun. Yesterday when I was out, right, right after lunchtime, listen, that sun, it got hot. And I tormented Charlie with me. He was out there and we were pulling, pulling branches out to the front of the yard. And he's like, Daddy, let's go take a break. I'm like, Charlie, we can't. We're almost done. We're almost done with your part. And then you can go inside, but we can't stop until the work is, is done. And listen, there's sometimes, I'll be honest, I was right there with him. In my mind, too, I'm like, I want to, too. But I've done that already on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. <laughs> and I can't do that anymore. The grass, you can barely, you can barely see over the, at the edges of the grass already yourself, Charlie. It's like he's walking through the long grass with a machete. It's kind of what it seemed like. But we couldn't rest until the work was done. And sometimes there, there's times when you, man, you really want to rest. You really want to do this, and you really want to, 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 to put this aside and go do this. Because, listen, the work gets really hard sometimes. You get really, you get really tired. You get really thirsty. You're like, okay, I, I just got to go. I just got to go. I just got to go. The hard thing for me is I take a break. I go inside, and what happens? 
you don't go back out. I'm not kidding. On Thursday, I went out to mow the lawn. And it was hot, and so I went back in and said, I'll do it in a little bit. That little bit was Saturday. Listen, we can say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win souls. I'm going to do what the Lord has me to do. But man, right now, it's a difficult time. Oh, man, right now, it's hard. Right now, there's this person at work that, man, every single time I even mention anything about God, they just say, just have a cow. Or, you know, listen, I remember a long time. I praise the Lord. My mom's right there right now. But there's a long time when any mention of anything spiritual, she just got really angry. It was hard. And sometimes you just want to give up. And you just want to, you're just like, you know what? I'm just not going to do it right now. But church, when things, sometimes when things get hardest, that's when you need to allow the Lord to help you persevere. To help you continue. Listen. When the servant went in the field, he's serving his master Listen, his master told him to go into the field and go and go harvest the grain. It was his job to stay there until the job got done. And as servants of our great Lord and master, our loving Lord and master, listen, we need to be surrendered servants that do the work until the job is done. We need... We need to be active in our Christian life, but in our action, we also need to rely on Christ leading. Listen, there are, I, I know a lot of people who are active, but their activity is not necessarily for Christ. Listen, in our culture today, our culture is just go, 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 go. And it's very easy if we don't make a, a conscious decision to serve the Lord. It's very easy to just absolutely just forget about it. You're not doing it on purpose. You're not, you're not, you're not just actively like, oh, I don't want to serve God. You're just, you're just busy to the point where you, you go through and you go through a couple of months. And you're like, man, I haven't even. You're listening to someone preach and say, when's the last time you, you talked to someone about the Lord? And you think, man, I, I haven't done that in forever. Or to be honest, you think about, someone asks, when's the last time you really read the scriptures? You sat down and really read them to, to think about them, to dwell on them, to, to understand them, to obey them. And you think, man, I, I've been so busy. I can't, I can't even remember the time that, the last time I opened, really opened the scriptures. Some of you might be very active in your life, but the activity in your life asphyxiates any activity you might be able to do for the Lord. Philippians 2.21 says, For all seek what? Their own, and not the things which are Jesus Christ's. There's so many voices around us who are yelling and screaming for our attention. And if we're not purposed in our Christian walk, we're going to get distracted. When I was younger and in youth group, we would, my, my youth director would set up an obstacle course and there would be a wagon and someone would be pulling the wagon. Now, the pull, person pulling the wagon would be blindfolded, okay? 
the person who was in the wagon would not be blindfolded. The goal was for the person who's being pulled in the wagon to tell the person in the wagon which way to go and so they can get through the obstacle course and not die, okay? Now, here's the part where it gets interesting. Every other person in the youth group was standing around the edges of the obstacle course and telling them to go every which way other than the right way. And so when they, when they got there, when the person who was blindfolded got their mind off of the person who was in the wagon, they would very often run into the edges of the obstacle course and trip over something. The only way they, they were really going to get through the obstacle course is if they kept their attention on the one who was trying to lead, lead, to lead them the right way. Listen. Jesus Christ will lead you. He's trying to lead you. He wants to lead you. And he will if you just let him. You see, he, he, he did that for his disciples. Verse number one of Luke 10. And after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face unto every city and place, whither he himself would come. He told them, this is where you go. This is why you're going. And church, we have that really same command. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded, commanded you. And what does he say? And lo, I am with you always, even unto what? The end of of the world. He's sending us out and he's saying he's going to go too. In fact, can I tell you something? He's already there preparing. Listen, God has a purpose and a plan for everyone. We all need to be surrendered servants who, who are allowing the Lord to lead us. And that's, listen, that's how the church works. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, really just, just the, the, the example for a good church, for how a church should work. And he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, he prepares, he, he uses, he guides, he, he leads, he builds up. And he sends. My question to you is, God, is God calling you? Is God calling you to preach and to teach? Is God calling you to go? You know what? Oh, man, I kind of think that... You know, I kind of have a desire, you know, to, to, to preach. I kind of have a desire to do work for the Lord. But you know, I don't really know if that's from God. When, when do you think Satan got in the habit of putting on the hearts of Christians to go preach and teach the gospel? Listen, if, if you're having a desire to preach and to teach, and you think that God might be sending you to go, listen, start working towards that. And if God closes the door, okay. 
Listen, there was one time when I, I legitimately thought that God was calling me to be an itinerant evangelist. And that's what God was, was having me do. I loved it. Traveling neighborhood Bible time. I went all the way from Oakland, Maine to Oakland, California. Preached. We saw 317 souls make professions of faith that summer. It was a great, great time. I loved it. And so I, I, I started visiting churches in Knoxville. I, I had business cards made. They were really cool looking. I didn't design them myself at that point, but they were really cool. And I was really excited. I went and visited churches. And I really thought that that's what God had for me. But it wasn't. Do you know what happened? God shut the door and made it clear. But listen, I was just being obedient. I thought that's what God had. And so I went after it. And you know what? Me being obedient, you know what happened? The Lord led me. So if you think that God might be giving you a desire, listen, go after it. I don't think it'd be a bad thing if God, if you think that God might be having you, might be, might want you to preach, maybe talk to pastor and see if there might be opportunity to preach. But we have to surrender to his leading. Look, verse number two, it says, he sent them. He sent them that he would send forth the laborers, not us. We have to be surrendered to his leading. So number one, the harvest requires surrender servants. Number two, the harvest requires a survey of the souls around us. The harvest requires a survey of the souls around us. Listen, number one, you have to be surrendered. If you're not surrendered, this, this second point, it's not going to work. You have to be surrendered first. But then there needs to be a survey of the souls around us. Listen, there's a vast number of souls that need to hear the gospel. Luke 10.2, he says, Therefore he say, said he unto them, The harvest truly is great. The harvest truly is great. Charles Spurgeon was in Chicago one time, and he was in the room with a group of preachers, and they were talking to him and asking him, Listen, we, we preach and we teach the same way as you, but you see so many people saved, so many people converted, so many people start coming to your church. What's the difference between what you're doing and what we're doing? We don't see, we don't see a difference. And there were, the World Fair was going on at the time as far as the, the, the illustration goes that I, that I found. And what is said to have happened is he took them to the window and he asked them all to look outside. And he said, what do you see? And the one preacher said, you know, I see a bunch of little kids running around and, and playing and having a good time. And the other one said, I see a lot of people working and, and selling things and, 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 and making money and making profit. And the other said, I see a lot of adults walking around and, 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 and buying things and enjoying the time and making sure their kids aren't getting into different things. And as he, he asked them all, what did they see? And when it came time, he had asked all of them what they saw. It came time, they asked, well, what do you see? But when they looked back over at him, there were tears pouring down his face. And he said, crying, I see lost souls dying and going to hell who need to hear the gospel. Spurgeon understood that it wasn't about seeing the temporal, 
It was about seeing the eternal. It's very easy to get scared off. It's very easy to get intimidated. It's very easy to get nervous when we just go and look and see, oh, I see, oh, this man Eric over here. Oh, man, he's, he's a rough guy. Oh, I don't know what he'll say. Uh, it's very easy when I just look at the exterior and say, oh, oh, not that, you know, I figured I could, I could pick on you. I didn't know if I could pick on pastor, you know. Uh, I, I, need, I want a job. Um, but when I see, look, listen, there's a soul right here that needs saved. I'll never forget playing basketball in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, and just going down to the park and playing basketball, and there's this one kid came just completely in black. And just really like, man, this kid, whew, he looks rough. He looks rough. And just like, you know, he's probably like no older than 13 or 14 years old. And, and just my mind, you know, thinking like, that kid probably just no good and probably just a, a, a hooligan. And uh, beyond what I thought, he was the one that actually, after the game, sat down and talked, and I was able to talk about the gospel to him. And he listened. I don't know if he got saved. I don't know what happened. I never saw him again. But it took looking beyond the exterior to see that there was a soul who needed saved, a soul who was on his way to hell. Listen, we can look and see around us, and it doesn't look like that big of a task, but we have to remember the world's pretty big. In Christ's command in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in both, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Whew. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, there's almost 8 billion people in the world. And the church is supposed to reach what? The world. Church, 8 billion people. That's a lot. I, did, I looked up the statistics. 8 billion people, that means 150,000 people every, di- every day die and go on, on into eternity. 150,000 people every day. That's 600... Six, 6,250 every hour. That's 104 people every minute who die and go into eternity. We need to see the souls around us. We only have a short time here and then we will spend, we'll spend eternity in heaven. Or, hell, or as an unsaved person, will spend eternity in hell. But you think, you know, I don't want to leave it just on a gloom in this, this part. There's 150 people who die every day, but there's 385,000 people born every day. 385,000 more souls that will be born today than there were on the earth yesterday. We need to remember, listen, that each and every soul has a name. Each and every soul has a destination. 
We need to see the souls around us. Listen, I've been talking, I, I, I kind of imagine that there's someone, <laughs> there's someone who has come to your mind as we're talking about souls dying and going to hell. What are you doing to reach them? What are you doing to be a good testimony to them, a good witness to them? We need to see the souls. Because let me tell you something. There are many soul, of those souls that God has prepared already to hear the gospel. Luke 10, 2, it doesn't say that the harvest is going to be great, Right? No, it says the harvest is great. Listen, if you're a farmer, you don't go out when there's just a little bit of harvest. You don't go out and like, oh, I think this harvest is going to be good. I'm going to go get it today. No, Christ is sending us out and sending Christians out to go, to, to go witness and to go, to, to go serve him, to be surrendered for him. Why? Because the harvest is great right now. John 4.35, say ye not, therefore there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Listen. God is faithful, right? God is faithful. And God says in John chapter 12, verse 32, it says, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw... Some men unto me. No, all men unto me. God is faithful. That means if God's faithful, he's going to do what he says he's, he's, he's going to do. He's going to draw all men. So what, you know what we have to do? The part that he's given us to do. Go share with them who Christ is. Listen. There's going to be a time when people from every part of the earth are going to be praising him. Revelation 5, 9, and they sung a new song saying, Lord, art, Lord, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast, re- hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of what? Every kindred, every tongue, and people, and nation there's people that are going to be saved there's people are going to be in heaven praising the lord glorifying him for all eternity so what does that mean it's our job just to go tell them he's drawing it's our job to just go tell them we plant we water he gives the increase The harvest requires surrendered servants. The harvest requires a survey of the souls around us. Lastly, number three, the harvest requires an urgent dedication. I know it's not even close to alliterated, but that's okay. The harvest requires an urgent dedication. Listen, there's a need for more labors. Luke 10.2, going back there, says the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. I remember when I was working at Steak and Shake, and I think this is even more prevalent today, but working at Steak and Shake, and you'd be there, and you'd come in, and you'd find out that so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so all called off. 
And so now you're working three stations and you're having to juggle things and you're having to, to really work a whole lot harder. But no matter how hard you work, you know what's, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get backed up. You're going to get behind. Things aren't going to work. But people, guess what? They're going to complain. Those businesses don't work <laughs> when they don't have people to work. And church, if the people don't work, the church doesn't work correctly. Every part of the body needs to be active. Every part of the body needs to be active. Listen, I remember, you know, at one point, I was, went on a field trip, and uh, I went to play dodgeball, and uh, I didn't realize I was old. And I'm going to call him out for this. Gideon Harner threw a ball at me, and I went to catch it. It's not his fault. I went to catch it, and somehow the only thing that caught it was my pinky finger, and my pinky finger went like that, sideways. And it didn't, I don't know exactly what happened. It didn't break, but it was very much not usable for a while. And the interesting thing was, like, you look at the pinky, that's a relatively small part of the body. But can I tell you that in almost everything I did when that pinky was hurt and healing, I noticed it. It, listen, it threw a whole lot of stuff off. It made a whole lot of stuff harder simply because the pinky was hurt. You might think that your lack of surrender, your lack of activity for the Lord, your lack of an urgent dedication is fine because there's so many other people who can do it. No. If the Lord has you here, he has you here for a reason. He has you here. You. No matter how little you know how to, no matter how little little things you think you can do, he has you here for a reason and for a purpose. For you to come and put your influence and your life into the service of this local church. You might think that as the pinky, you're just, you're, you, you don't matter. But no, you do. Every person needs to be active. Listen, young person, we have a myth in America that life starts after high school or college. And all we do is we, we, we just play and, and, and we're just kids. We're just kids. I understand that sentiment. But at the same time, I think it's destroyed a generation. Oh, they're just kids. That's why, as some 20 and 30-year-olds, they're still just kids. Young person, you need to be active, serving the Lord, letting him lead you with an urgent dedication now. Now. That's why I love that we give the faith promise cards out to every single person. Listen, we're going to start Charlie on it this year. He's four. And to be honest, I probably should have started him early. I might even just start Kobe on it. He's old enough. I'm probably a little delinquent in that. So yes, my wife, she's watching. So we're going to start our kids on that this, 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 week, this, this week. She always loves finding things out when I preach. 
that there's a need, listen, there's a need for more laborers. Can you imagine what would happen if there was a church where every single person was completely surrendered? I think it was Moody who said, I think that the world has yet to see what God can do with one person who's fully surrendered. I wonder what God can do with, this, with a full church that is fully surrendered. But that means an individual decision by everyone. And listen, the reason it's urgent, the reason it's urgent, the reason we need more labors and we need them now is because we have an enemy that will not rest. Verse number three says, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Think about the nation of Israel right now. They have to have their defenses going at all times. They have the iron dome that shoots down incoming rockets. It has to be active nonstop, 24-7, 365 days a year, 366 on a leap year. It has to be active at all times. Why? Because a rocket could come at any time. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We need to be active. We need to be active. Satan's not going to relent. Not until God makes him relent. But that's the good part. Because even though we have an enemy who will not rest, we have a God who owns the victory. And listen, when the victory is always already won, church, shouldn't that be the time where we just we press on full, full steam ahead for the victory? When we know the victory is already won? Listen, the victory has already been won. It's not a battle whether or not we win or lose. We've already won. So let's act like the victors in Christ that we already are. And let's go tell everyone about the victory that Christ has already won. God's already returned, already won the victory. You look at what he said when the, when the 70 came back. And he said, the 70 returned, verse number 17 through 19 of chapter 10 of the book of Luke. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, Behold, I, I beheld Satan. As lightning fall from heaven, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall by any means hurt you. I love Matthew 10, 28. It helps me stay in perspective sometimes. It says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, the Christians today, I think the Christians today are, are more afraid of the devil than they are of God. I think Christians today are more afraid than the devil than they are of God. But do you realize that God could end Satan without even a glance? Church, I 
There's an urgent dedication that is required. This isn't the beginning of the battle. This is the harvest where we've already won the victory. And God wants us to go and tell others about the victory that has been won. Now listen, we, we can't go and reach all 8 billion people. We all can't, we, we can't all go to Chile or to Zambia or to Zimbabwe or to Spain or Russia or China or Japan or Thailand. We can't all go to these places. But what we can do is what God has allowed us to do here. And one of the things, again, be active here, reaching our community. But let's pray for the people that God has sent out and pray for laborers. But be active first. Be a laborer first. Listen, the disciples were laborers before he told them that the laborers were few. Before he told them to look. Be a laborer. Pray for laborers. But church, we also need to support the laborers. We need to be surrendered servants who constantly see the souls around us and go after them with an urgent dedication. Why? Church. Because the church matters. The church matters more today than it ever has because the harvest truly is great. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your love and your mercy.